smokescreen. Now, typically, if I'm talking about a smoke screen, I probably mean one of those screens you put in your bong bowl so that it doesn't get, you know, all the, the weed go through into the bong. Not the case in this episode. It's more the case of people using a smoke screen to try and meet their goals. That sounds more nefarious than it, than it is. They're both pretty, pretty honest, good-natured goals, really, you know? Meet a girl, have success in school. They just felt they needed a smoke screen. I went back to Degrassi with two you know, good friends of mine and hilarious comics, uh, Nick Martinello and Darren Springer. It's actually Darren's birthday befo- the day before we recorded, and it was Nick's birthday the day after. So this podcast episode was the meat to their uh, respective birthday sandwiches. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go with that. As always, this podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. You can get a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook download. doesn't cost you a thing, and you support the podcast. So I'd appreciate anyone going there and signing up. Be honest, I've noticed my fan base is not that into Audible <laughs> audiobooks, but i got to tell you, I'm a fan of them. Like I, That's why I'm selling something that I actually use. I like it. I, over the last few months, I'm like, oh, man, I got I to gotta keep using this. <laughs> like, I, I like having new books coming through every month. And it's just one, and it's just something that I listen to. But uh, it's nice to feel smarter than just listening to a podcast sometimes. But if you got to choose, you know, just listen to my podcast. Definitely the way to go. As always, you can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. I would love to get some more reviews there. Maybe maybe throw some stars on that review. Give it five stars. That's definitely the amount of stars to be giving the podcast. I also have a few stand-up dates coming up. On November 14th, I am doing Top Shelf Comedy Show, which is one of the best shows in the city. I've actually you know, kind of been waiting for my time to get on this show, and it finally happens this uh, Friday, November 14th at St. Louis Wings, that's 1963 Queen Street East in Toronto. It's a great show. I'm not sure who the other comics are on it, but it's pretty much always one of the best lineups in the city on Friday, which is saying a lot when there's, you know, clubs in the city, but this show is undeniable. On Wednesday, November 19th, I'm at Absolute Comedy in Ottawa, so that's also going to be a really fun show. It's a club show. I love uh, it's the second time I've been out there. And that show is 5 bucks, I believe, on Wednesday. starts at 8.30. Uh, it's a pro-am show. should be a lot of fun. So if you're in Ottawa, check that out on November 19th, Absolute Ottawa, and Absolute Comedy in Ottawa. And on November 14th, that's at Top Shelf Comedy, St. Louis Wings. That's in Toronto, 8 o'clock. Maybe 9 o'clock. No, 8 o'clock. <laughs> no, 9 o'clock. Oh, well, I blew that. It's 9 o'clock, though, to be sure. Top shelf, 9 o'clock. Absolute comedy, 8.30. Different dates. Between this release of the episode and the next one. Oh, yeah. What else do I have to say to you guys? Did the dates, did the audible, the items, smoke screen. Okay. Uh, before... I started off, and well, you know, this uh, this little song in between the episode and me giving the intro, that is the rap that Caitlin does in the middle of the episode. We kind of talk about it a bit during the episode, so I just thought I'd include it here. Uh, have fun listening to this 1987 fresh rap 
written by Caitlin and Rick. All right, let's go back to Degrassi. Hey, listen up, people don't fall asleep. Let me tell you about the Degrassi clean sweep. Stopping the steam is our intent. Help clean up the environment. Sign our petition and you will see improvements at the factory. It's up to us, that's what I think, to make some noise and stop the steam. This is episode 10 of Back to Degrassi. I'm the host, Tim McDonald. This week, I have two great guests on with me. The first is hilarious stand-up comedian. He has a social media presence. Very happy to have Nick Martinello here. Hey, how's it going? Very good, Nick. Thanks for being on. My second guest today is a very funny stand-up Canadian and stand-up comedian, Darren Springer. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Very happy to have you here as well. So let me ask you, Darren, Mm -hmm. what was your Degrassi background like? Well, uh, I... Like, when were you introduced to the show, I guess? Yeah, watching it was. Well, I was uh, a little too young to have watched it during the initial run. Uh, So my first introduction was really uh, when the CBC was uh, airing reruns, like, in the... I guess just a couple years after the show ended, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like mid-90s. So what I'm calling second wave Degrassi fan here. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, it's really when I, uh, I have fond memories of uh, like staying with my grandma <laughs> for a summer, uh, like four hours from where I grew up in Manitoba, and uh, just watching uh, those reruns every day after like swimming lessons. And you could relate. Even in Manitoba, you could relate to the struggles of those Ontarians. <laughs> Nick, what was your uh, Degrassi background? Pretty much the uh, same thing. I started watching it um, when they reran it on, uh, yeah, on CBC. And I was also in junior high, so it, uh, oh, it worked out nice. Yeah, I could relate a lot to the characters, and I, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good show, and everyone should watch it. <laughs> you remember it fondly. What about you? Did you go to an actual junior high, Darren? Uh, I am from a, a small town, as I said, in Manitoba called Glenborough, and it has, it is a village. <laughs> it's actually not a town. It's not big enough to be a town. It is 700 people, including people in the in the countryside, in the vicinity. So no, we had uh, one school. Uh, well, we had preschool, which took place at our local Lutheran church. <laughs> and then from the rest of your school, like kindergarten to grade 12 was, was there, all in was one school. Was it like a, a schoolhouse? <laughs> It's sort of like a wood stove, and everyone has to bring one piece of coal to class. Uh, yeah, we actually, I had to battle seals every day <laughs> to get to class. No, it was a K to 12. Uh, so, yeah, I took K to 12. Yeah, I took kindergarten oh. in the same school that I graduated high school in. Wow. It's insane. It has a very on the prairie feel to it, for what yeah, you're describing. Yeah, very Laura Ingalls Wilder. What does, uh, what, what's junior high in Ontario, though? Because yeah. in Nova Scotia, it's basically just isolating teens in their most awkward stages of puberty <laughs> so no one has to deal with them it's like always the worst school it's seven till nine and mm. then you go on the high yeah, school yeah yeah it was but yeah i guess in in ontario it was seven eight and that's it yeah just those oh. years sometimes six seven eight so they just built an entire school for like two grades yeah exactly wow it's like get you ready for high school interesting yeah and but it was n- seven, eight, nine out east. You're saying, right? Yeah. Okay. I should say in my in my particular school, we had 
I mean, there was a separate section of the school. Like we did not, <laughs> we were not in the same room as the kindergartners. Uh, so yeah, we had nine to twelve in like the high school section of the school, uh, which had like its own little entrance, uh, and then all the rest of the grades were they were assigned their own little sections of the school. But yeah, I remember in uh, elementary school, our our school was divided by a gigantic a line. Yeah, from like primary to four. And then, uh, sorry, till three, and then grade four to six, there's a huge line. If you crossed over, you'd like, it'd rough you up a little bit. Oh, they'd rough you yeah. up. <laughs> like, if your ball rolled onto the, the big kid's side, they'd oh. toss it on the roof. Oh, too. God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the day when like the janitor would be up on the roof and, and like, they'd release throw the, the ball? <laughs> that's, that's an experience yeah. that everyone's had for some reason. <laughs> it's always the janitor. The, uh, yeah, yeah. No one else is gonna. And no school has ever thought to build a roof with uh, like a pitch. You know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. But that would save his janitor so much time. And I mean, there's no way that's like covered by insurance if the janitor falls off while releasing balls. To yeah. the I feel like it would be. I feel like it's work related. Getting the balls off the roof. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> I'm know. sure that uh, some sneaky lawyer could find his way around that. Yeah, I mean, if the city's getting sued, they'd probably cut corners. Yeah. They'd probably want to want to stop that. So this episode, wow, we even talking. This episode is smokescreen. Yeah. It's the tenth episode of season one. First aired March 29th, 1987. Wow. Let's discuss the uh, title. What what was the actual smokescreen within? Was it the political <laughs> smokescreen like that was going on within the environmental I, I feel action like, committee? I think it'll well obviously the pollution tie-in is great for smokescreen, right. but I feel like joining the committee was Rick's smokescreen yes. for hitting on Caitlin and that getting is, yeah. Caitlin. That was my interpretation as well, yeah. Um yeah, I also feel like um Rick uh Rick's smokescreen was posing as someone environmentally conscious, but uh, as we, as it turns out, he is uh, a foul, <laughs> massive polluter. Uh, yeah, he, he he does smoke one cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and let's not forget, he just he punches lockers. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. And, and uh, he's referred to as the uh, the the school criminal. Mm-hmm. That's his rep that's got going on. You know, already, that's kind of like. There was the rumors that have been abound about any episode when Rick is involved, even in the slightest. And this one now, he just just they catch a whiff of him, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's the school." No, <laughs> just want to drop that fact yeah. right away. Uh, this episode opens where they're in the hallway, and Caitlin, Susie, and Kathleen are just uh, trying to get everyone to sign their petition to stop polluting by the factory in the area. No one's signing. No one's signing, and I I really <laughs> enjoy the hard sell that Susie employs. Right at the beginning, where she virtually begs, <laughs> I think her actual line is, "Hey, help stop pollution," and uh, it's it's actually pretty surprising to me that uh, a bunch of like eighth or, or seventh graders don't respond to naked desperation. Yeah. <laughs> so well, they're just like, I don't like these people. They're for some reason thought it was like the big nerds, sort of in the school. I guess so. That people yeah. don't want anything to do with this ner- dorky cause. Well, they're the worst kind of nerds. They're like sort of school committee ad- administration nerds. Like <laughs> yeah. they're not. Involved they're not nerds. even into like something interesting, like fantasy or or yeah, goths. They're not like the cure. You know what I mean? They're, <laughs> no, no. They're just 
boring committee nerds. They're all, I think, to a T, Brian Adams fans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and not Robert Smith heads. And then Kathleen, she sees Rick coming, and she's like, look what the cat dragged in. And Rick <laughs> appears. Who you, you had kind of forgotten Rick. He's only in the first season. Yeah. So what was yeah. your thoughts when you saw Rick, Nick? Um, not as menacing as uh, you guys made him up to be when we were talking about it before the episode. Uh, he's got soft eyes and very and, <laughs> and feminine features. I, I think they could have. I don't know why they thought Rick would be a convincing bad boy. Because <laughs> uh, I do you were find, buying it. <laughs> yeah, I do find something uh, sort of surly and closed off about mm-hmm. him, though, which I think uh, made him a little more convincing for me. Like I, I, I thought he was genuinely thuggish by thirteen-year-old standards. Um, and also, I, I do feel like everything you're saying is kind of like. Like James Dean was kind of like that too. He's really like the James Dean of the school. That's true. <laughs> like, That's true. I feel like James Dean. Most of his characters have like a gushy, bleeding heart underneath Rick, their red leather jackets. Yeah, Rick's an a actual too. bleeding yeah. heart because he got stabbed at some point. I'm sure, <laughs> or will get stabbed. Right. And there, the rumor that Kathleen is pushing is that you know he's dumb. And he's a criminal. <laughs> That's what. It, and he's dumb because he's failed. And I like. I like how this committee is a microcosm for actual like political, you know, sort yeah. of scandal and uh, and the way that that system sort of works. Yeah, I think the bureaucracy. Yeah. Like just the sheer. It's Kafka esque. It is Kafka all throughout the ep- episode, especially when uh, when they go to the factory. Finally. Yeah, and so as with all bureaucracies, like they're obsessed with labels and names, and. Uh, and well, as you know, as they're burned pretty badly by Shane later, uh, they're more of a how would you say inaction committed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too, like just I don't know, Rick uh, clearly, you know, Caitlin has like a thing for Rick, and Susie yeah. just kind of points it out. She's like, he, you like him? She's like, oh, whatever. She totally likes the bad boy. And then that scene kind of yeah. ends. That's the cold open. It's kind of a weird cold open. Usually they're more more disjointed. The opening of the episode is kind of like, I don't know what they're really saying in this scene. It's like, I guess it's about misconceptions or rumors, but it really doesn't come into play with uh, the ending <laughs> at all. Right. Yeah, I, I guess well, I guess the main through line they're trying to establish is just this sort of secret. Rick is more than what they think he is. I yeah, guess. yeah. And then that sweet drum beat kicks in and the intro, <laughs> and the intro starts. Do you get, how do you feel about the, the intro, Nick, that song? The music? Yeah. It's definitely, uh, it, yeah, it reminds me of, like, when you, the demo on any, like, like Casio or, like, Roland keyboard <laughs> that was built at the time. It's, I just, yeah, it's definitely, um, but, you know, it's it's got that nostalgic feel that we all. Mm. What's your, you said, you, there was something you mentioned you said is your favorite part <laughs> of the intro, too, Darren. My favorite part of the intro is at the very end of the title sequence, uh, there's that shot of all the kids holding up that sort of indeterminate trophy of some kind, <laughs> presumably related to sports. And uh, you have the logo, Degrassi Junior High, and in the very back, you can see uh, you can see Lucy looking so completely miserable. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if that was uh, a choice, like this particular acting choice that uh, the actress who played her made, but. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's it, it's one of the rare instances where um, you know the show is almost entirely realistic because there's always someone um, in those kinds of like rah rah um, go team uh, school environments. There's always someone who is forced to take part and is completely miserable. <laughs> and 
Yeah, so I, I always, whenever I watch an episode uh, and I, I see the opening credits, I, I always think of Lucy, and uh, I, it gives her uh, a dimension uh, that uh, <laughs> she maybe doesn't have in, uh, well, Lucy in the rest of the episodes. Lucy wouldn't be into that kind of a thing oh, no, either. That's not her not, character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What you said made what I said sound way more dumb than <laughs> I thought it was going to be. I, I feel like I feel like Rick right now in, in the environmental <laughs> committee. Well, Tim, I told you, like uh, you know, Nick has a, a reputation. I heard that. Uh, I, I heard he uh, gets into fights. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been in one fight in recent memory. Oh yeah. Ooh, do, should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Really? Who's your fight? Um, uh, I. Kind of, I don't know if I really beat him up, but uh, <laughs> this guy after we did this like really bad open mic and on the level, okay, and this guy's ex girlfriend like was hitting on me Ooh. in front of him. Oh wow! And then they got in a huge domestic squabble, and then they outside the bar like they were screaming each other's faces, and he started kicking him, her in the shin. Jesus! And uh, I was out there. With Jordan Foyze, and he can back me up. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I grabbed his shoulders like, hey, you can't do that. Blackout. Next thing I'm on the ground, this guy's in a chokehold. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. And then uh, apparently Jordan said I sweep kicked him, <laughs> threw wow. him on the ground, and uh, yeah, kind of apprehended him and then asked uh, bystanders to call the police. Wow. wow. So you're like a superhero <laughs> when yeah. you go blackout drunk. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you're like um you're like Jerry O'Connell in my secret identity. I don't remember, remember him getting show? I remember the <laughs> no, show, not but at all. <laughs> I know the show I'm very glad well. Tim backs me up on this one because I have no idea what There are a lot of episodes of that show where Jerry O'Connell uh broke up fights outside of bars. Oh, okay, but he wasn't drunk. <laughs> it was the drinking that was like <laughs> I actually want you to be a drunken superhero who does good. Well, that'd be great. Go like drunk. the like the start of the movie Hancock before it just falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie really does fall apart. Right. I, I don't want to, you know, no spoilers, but uh, yeah, it really. It's, there's a certain uh, plot twist that really, really not good. I haven't actually seen Hancock, but I'm yeah, the, the reveal is that it's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bold choice making it a terrible movie, <laughs> but ultimately, I feel like that. We really thought we were like onto something, and then we were, we were like, you know what? Let's just throw that out the window. Let's <laughs> let's do something more unconventional. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they went the conventional route. It's like the studio heads were like, you know, this is really good. Can we make it terrible? Can yeah. we go that way? <laughs> So when it comes out of the intro of the episode, uh, it's in Miss Avery's class, and Susie is giving a speech about slavery, pretty serious, talking yeah. through it, and then she mentions how her uncle was an astronaut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it Carlo Rivera? It was Carl Rivera. Carlo? <laughs> Carlo? I heard Carlo. You think Carlos? But is, but is Carl Rivera a real astronaut? He is not a real astronaut, although... I was Googling Carl Rivera, to be fair. I'm pretty sure it was Carl Rivera, because it I led me Carla. somewhere else about right, a Degrassi okay. post, so I'm going with Carl Rivera. I think it's I all, want it to be Carlos, And though. has her astronaut uncle, like, ever... Is that ever touched on again? I believe she reveals that he died in the Challenger explosion. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cut scene from this episode. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh... 
funnier than it should be. <laughs> I guess I guess now it's been long enough that Challenger Explosion can be a punchline. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Just don't talk about Discovery because that was right. that was too soon. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have been too soon to up to mention on this show, which I think was like a year after the Challenger. So now it's Richard Branson's billionaire spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> that also. So we can we can make fun of Discovery. I think. Also, he was Canadian. Who? Uh, her well, I mean, you would think that her oh, uncle would yeah. be Canadian. Yeah, I mean, she didn't say he worked for NASA. So well, the, I, yeah. no, she did say NASA. Did she say NASA? She says NASA. This was his emblem when he was. Oh, so he was a Canadian with NASA. In the US, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay. Or maybe they're trying to make the show seem American. It's tough to say. They're right. treading a line. Maybe he has the space arm as his arm. <laughs> so you're saying he, he has one normal arm and, and one space, space arm, arm. Uh, one can only hope I don't know I guess every astronaut who's been to space has a space arm right That's true. <laughs> um, actually what is a space arm I'm actually realizing I don't... Oh, it's on the, the, the bill you know the... Uh, on, the, oh. on the International Space Station one of Canada's contributions was this robotic arm that they can do stuff with Oh, okay, right. Oh, yeah, so the, you're right. I did space. Hear about that. I think that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in uh, Canada, um, I think we think that's more important than the spaceship itself. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do indeed think We're so. Like, Fuck the things that took it to space. Yeah. This arm is. This is sweet. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> this space station was really built to house this arm. <laughs> Just all it really is. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, who could, who wouldn't want to spend hours moving the arm? <laughs> uh, just you know, it's learning like, about the history of the arm. It's like one of those games where there's that arm that you control to like pick out a stuffed yeah. animal, but in space. <laughs> Carl Rivera came, slapped it on the side of a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> so Miss Avery says that Yick is going to be the next one to give such an amazing speech. I must say though, Susie's speech sounded like an actual seventh grader giving a speech. I yes. like that. It didn't sound yeah. like it was very natural. Actually, most yeah. of the dialogue they don't really. Like, they don't get, like, kind of sorkin on the kids, you know <laughs> no, what I mean? No. It's very real. It's easy to, like, for them to, uh, you know. It's very much the anti-Dawson's Creek, yeah. Kevin Williamson approach. I remember <laughs> when I was that age, it was just, like, everyone was so stupid. Like, yeah. Nobody yeah. knew how to string a sentence together. I was so, st- I was so stupid, and I, the thing I love about uh, Susie's report is that it's basically, and I look, I don't mean to... <laughs> get to Simon Cowell here, but uh, <laughs> it's basically just a bunch of trite bullshit. <laughs> it's like, wow, uh, nice wild generalizations, uh, Susie. Uh, any any original research go into this? I don't... Well, and yeah, it's and also how the teacher kind of singles out Rick, and she's like, where's your report? Like the kid who clearly doesn't have a family <laughs> or like anything to be proud of at home. Yeah, he's just like, I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Rick telegraphs his... Uh, I guess his lot in life so broadly that he might as well be on fire most of the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why would you look at a kid who's just on fire all the time and say, did you do your report? No, I'm I'm on fire. I have more things to worry about, like the fire. And then right afterwards, he storms out, makes his way out of class, and what does he do? First time of many times in the episode. Punches a locker. Yeah. <laughs> it's a motif that is... Continued throughout the episode. He's giving it to those lockers good. And I think that it represents that you've got the locker, which is this closed space, 
doesn't offer you admission and Rick's trying to punch it, right? He's trying to gain access. So I think it really <laughs> represents Rick and his secret like thirst for knowledge. Like he wants to open that locker of truth. Yeah. Or he has nerd stuffed into each locker. <laughs> Give him an extra little bang, you know? Why not well, both? <laughs> but then he walks right by Arthur and Yick, two pretty prime uh, nerd yeah. candidates, and they're Yick saying how he can't play basketball with Arthur that, that day because he needs to do research on his family assignment because mm. everyone was so blown away by Susie's stupid yeah, action. And then, and then when it comes down to it and he has to deliver with no preparation, he like strings together the most... Like intense, <laughs> engaging yeah. narrative. It's genuinely <laughs> poignant and powerful. Yeah, and it, and it breaks from the normal dialogue of, between these kids. It's yeah, just... actually, it blows Susie's <laughs> bullshit report out of the water. Well, because he even asked then when Arthur's like, "Oh, just tell your story of how you came here." He's like, "Who wants to hear about refugees? Mm-hmm. Not like I got to do something good, like Lucy's story, which was about slaves escaping." <laughs> it's like. I don't know, slaves are saving refugees. They're pretty close. They're the same yeah. ballpark. And his happened least. in his lifetime, too. Yeah, yeah it happened directly <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. not, yeah, he's not, like, riding the coattails of, like, people who, he he came here mm-hmm. and risked yeah. his life as a child. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he did. It's pretty scary. Yeah, we don't all have <laughs> astronaut story. uncles, okay? <laughs> At the end of that scene, too, you hear the principal make an announcement, and he says, today's lunch is tuna surprise. The school dietitian says it's excellent. <laughs> that's a one of my favorite running uh, <laughs> gags on the show uh, is the uh, the school intercom announcements. Well, later in the episode, whoever ate the tuna salad is told to go see the school nurse. Yeah. That's right. They have a major payoff for that one later. <laughs> yeah, which I missed the first time I saw this uh, earlier. Um, but yeah, it uh, it reminds me like the guy who played Radich, who I think makes a lot of the announcements. I heard like he the actor uh, like. Uh, worked at Second City with like Aykroyd and all those guys, uh, so he has like the improv comedy background. So I don't know if that came to play. <laughs> I don't know how much of a hand he had in those jokes, but kind of makes sense in that context. He is really good. He acts he acts the, the shit out of every scene he's in, Mister Radich. He's sure does, good enough yeah. for sure in this show. Yeah. The next scene's in the washroom, and Rick is in there smoking in the washroom. Literally smoking in the boys' room, as Brownsville Station warned us against, <laughs> by way of Motley Crue. Yeah. Like 1987. Yeah. I guess people were smoking in school washrooms still then. Yeah. yeah. Must happen still now. Well, I man, no one ever like... smoked in my high school washrooms or elementary school. I don't remember that happening. Hmm. Well, I mean, this is 1987. How 1987. Old you? You're like, how old then? I was, I was born four? in 83, so okay, I was, yeah. yeah, four. Okay. You know, I th- I'm pretty sure you're allowed to smoke in class, like, two years before that <laughs> yeah i think <laughs> i think there yeah. was like smoking and non-smoking courses you could take absolutely yeah and they would have uh like tumblers uh like whiskey tumblers yeah uh, or you know scotch if that if that it was wasn't your particular you know so long ago that heroin was part of the regular <laughs> cu- curriculum shane walks in smoking, uh, oh, there's opium dens in in just grassy high they're just yeah I think that explains Spike. <laughs> well, no, I don't, I don't mean that. I just mean she's such a rebel. Well, yeah. Shane walks in, too, to see Rick smoking, and it's just like, those things will kill you. It's good to see that that hasn't changed, though, since Yeah, but he doesn't wear condoms, so... Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Who's, who's, don't listen to anybody who hangs out in the bathroom between classes, okay? Yeah. bathroom boys are no good. <laughs> Do you think uh, that, uh, like, uh, like, Arthur... Or uh, Yick went on to form like a sketch troupe called the Bathroom Boys. 
<laughs> I think that would be great. <laughs> and then Rick would reluctantly join. Rick would, yeah. <laughs> secretly in love with Arthur. <laughs> and pretends, <laughs> pretends to be into sketch, sketch comedy. That turns out Rick is really good at elevating scenes at just like hiding <laughs> yeah. the, the stakes. I really liked when Shane like to uh, gave Rick that advice. Rich is like, yeah, yeah, what are you, my social worker? That line, <laughs> <laughs> that line seriously made me laugh. It's very on the nose for You're not Rick, Carol. You're not. <laughs> and then they snuck in like a little uh, anti-smoking scene, like sales pitch by Shane in there. Yeah. Before he could impregnate Spike, too. I think that was probably but, his key. But uh, they're still forcing uh, like a, a 12-year-old actor to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> he, look at that kid. He probably was smoking. That's true. <laughs> look at that emo lid, for sure. Yeah, I wonder if those are like real cigarettes or... I mean, obviously he wasn't inhaling, but were they like... Remember they used to be candy cigarettes where they would give, you could give off like a puff of like... Uh, of like I smoke, think they just used real cigarettes. Like, yeah. I, I always wondered that in, in films. When, maybe like, clothes like, stand by me. Maybe, yeah. They're all smoking around, sitting around smoking. Right. I actually worked, um, uh, like I went to like film school and I worked in TV for a little bit. And we did this one like shoot for Crime Stoppers. Oh, yeah? That's actually, that, yeah, that's a credit you can give me. I was in a Crime Stoppers commercial. <laughs> played a contraband cigarette smuggler. And... One of the scenes, I sell cigarettes to this guy who just rolls up into a car and he's smoking a cigarette. But they made him smoke like ten cigarettes in a row. Ten, really? Like they just they had shooting the scene over and over again. And by the end, he was like wheezing and coughing. He's like, they were like, "Come on, just one more smoke, man. Come on, you can do it." And he's like, <laughs> looks like he has jaundice, uh. and it's just like <laughs> hacking up a lung. It's so, like you gotta, you know what? It's just like eating food, though, right? Like people can even get too full eating food. You just gotta, yeah, pace it. like the you Sopranos. Pace it, right? They're just constantly eating in that show. <laughs> yeah, like heavy, yeah. heavy food too. Very heavy Italian food. Yeah, and that actor was Mickey Rourke. It turned out. Yeah, <laughs> so he did all right. Uh, what was it? So Shane, actually, Rick asked Shane for some real advice. He doesn't want his anti-smoking advice. He wants to know how to get Caitlyn. So I guess Shane's sort of a ladies' man. And Shane, when when Caitlin's mentioned, he's like, "Oh, isn't she a browner?" Um, which I'm assuming is some sort brown of browner. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was my conclusion noser. as well. Yeah, some '80s jargon or some Degrassi burn. I don't know. <laughs> that was yeah, well, the the term broomhead, which again I've heard in multiple episodes mm-hmm. of this, and only in multiple episodes of this, uh, that comes in play later with uh, with Arthur and Yek. And uh, so yeah, I feel like I don't know if like broomhead or like browner were really part of like the Canadian teen lexicon or if they were just invented by this show uh the same way like i think a writer on dragnet would try to <laughs> replicate teen slang and you know not really know what they're doing so they what, come up with something Rick's different. love interest that's caitlin right uh yeah 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 caitlin right yeah. right now yeah she, right now. <laughs> she does say a at one point in the reps oh yeah oh nice yeah. Like, in a very canadian yeah but besides that, it could really be anywhere. Yeah, you know? I suppose. Yeah. There, there was a cop in the last episode, and she had like a really Canadian accent too. <laughs> like just, she's hey, what like, you doing she was there, like, eh? <laughs> it was like, hey, when the officer, when the officer no gets here, you'll be singing a different tune. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I remember like her. Line. Oh, I remember I her other line was like, um, you know, they have to increase the prices because uh, of kids like you who steal, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Very Which Canadian. Is interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, Listen, you hosers. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Rick around? That kid's up to no good. <laughs> no, no good, good. eh? 
Yeah, but Hater. no, that's a, that's a bad kid there. <laughs> <laughs> bad kid there, eh? <laughs> get, him, get his head right. What, why don't you? How about... Yeah, I think Just it's... eating rats in the alleyway. <laughs> that's, that's more new. Uh, anyways. Oh, yeah, but Shane's advice to Rick to get Caitlin is to sit beside her in class. He's like, the front, no way. Or to join a committee with her. Yeah. Yeah. I like how he chooses to be on the committee instead of like, <laughs> sitting, in like sitting. That's out of the question. He's a back of the class kid. Mm-hmm. He knows his, his lot in life. Yeah. And I feel like there's nothing worse than sitting at the front and having nothing to contribute. Uh, and yet that is that sort of like secret language of the classroom. Like if but you sit up front. Maybe that's also a testament to like Rick's like confidence issues. Because he he actually like pulls out some uh, he's a pretty pretty bright kid when when push comes to shove. You That's know? true. Yeah, I think I think he, it's his is very much an example of like uh, of just not caring as opposed to. Not, That's exactly it. Because the next scene, he just walks into the committee meeting yeah. without he doesn't even care. Just because just heads into the Degrassi Junior High like, hey, what's this Environment all Action Committee, and <laughs> the room goes silent. Yeah. Very age specific uh, pictures of Tina Turner behind <laughs> and Sting <laughs> and Sting. Yeah, a little later on. He yeah, must... but he definitely has a presence. <laughs> he does, yeah. He silences the room, and then when he says he wants to join, everybody in there laughs at it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Rick on a committee? <laughs> it's like, uh, something that's available to all students at the school? He would come for that? <laughs> like, yeah, this isn't the cigarette and switchblade committee, Rick. <laughs> that's next door. <laughs> I Kathleen asked him, he's like, what do you know about the environment? This is cl- classic Rick uh, fucking smart talk. <laughs> I live in it. <laughs> I live in it. Yeah, the, the, he he says, like, he keeps telling her that it's not an action committee, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It really drives that point across. Oh, yeah. They, they, this is like a no action committee. <laughs> everyone, ta- everyone takes a run at that, <laughs> that burn for sure. Like, it's inaction. Yeah, Shane, too, he says it. They're all dissing it. And Caitlin... Mentions, oh, he signed the petition, so he obviously does care about the environment. And people right. are like, oh, oh, give it up. Damn you, Caitlin, and your legalese. You've trapped us once again. It's the filibuster moment yeah. right there. Yeah, she's Jimmy Stewart, and Mr. Smith goes to Washington pounding on the podium. Like. They go on to every meeting starts with their new decision or talking about changing the name. And, and Trish has a really good suggestion, the Pollution Busters. I don't know. I'm on Kathleen's side in saying that's an uh, incredibly yeah, that stupid name. Awful. <laughs> it's truly an awful idea. Okay, what would you guys name the Degrassi Junior High Environment Action Committee, if you Ooh, could name it? That's a good question. What do you guys got? Oh, let me see. Hmm. Back your brains here. Um, I'm going to have to... Probably the No Fog Dogs. It's going to be too specific in its aim, but... No, no. no, The dogs is an acronym for Degrassi organization getting serious. Yeah, (laughs) getting serious. (laughs) The Smokestack Sackers. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, both names probably better than the uh, Degrassi Junior High Environment. Hey, Smokestacks, take a hike. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like you're kind around here. You've been downsized. <laughs> and then Kate, Kathleen's just like, oh, we don't need a new name. And it's not just because I thought of it. Completely think it's because she thought yeah. of it. She I has think, a tag yeah. that says uh, the Environmental Action Committee <laughs> while she's saying this. Yeah, I think we're meant to um, look askance at old Kathleen's assertion. Um, <laughs> I was she's not being if, quite sincere. If they could have like worked an H and to... At the end of the Environmental Action Committee, they could have called it each. I don't know what H, like H could possibly stand for. Right. Environmental Action 
committee of hope. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> of hope. <laughs> That's pretty solid. Yeah, I think so. The next seat after the meeting, the they're watching Rick go, and Kathleen is like talking about the rumors about him. He's got a bad reputation. His father disowned him. All his bruises were from fights. It's like you got the story so wrong. He was getting the bruises because his father beat him, and he, you know, he's not yeah, with his father. Dad fights. Yeah, fights <laughs> yeah. with your dad. They talk about having the total misunderstanding, and then Caitlin has like a pretty rousing speech where she's like, "No one ever gives him a chance. We've got to give him a chance." And they did. It's <laughs> like they stripped away everything from the dialogue and just left the just everything's to the point in Degrassi. Yeah, it's very on the nose. Like there aren't a lot of like I was I was I mentioned like the Dawson's Creek. Like there are no Dawson's Creek curlicues. There's no Kevin Williamson um, accoutrements. There's a, yeah, there's but no very much. little. A lot of wrestling. lines like everyone thinks I'm dumb. <laughs> 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 the subtext, even like the subtext, anything's pretty like on the nose, right? Yeah, like, there's not a lot of subtext. It's just nonstop text. Also, I think this is the scene where you hear the, uh, uh, I think Mr. Radich on the intercom saying that. Not Tuna quite Surprises. yet. Oh, not quite yet. I'm We're so sorry. Because they're outside the school. All right. And then okay. the and then it's the streets and Yick's just kind of cruising down the streets to some awesome '80s beat. That's right. And something in the store window just catches his eye. And he's like, it's perfect. And he runs in to get the 499 base. Oh, I love that scene, too. Because <laughs> uh, it's one of the classic scenes where like, somebody finds something in the store window. And then you just see cash being exchanged. And then it's reached under out of the window. It's just like to save money because you don't have to do an interior shot. It's brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet one of the producers uh, just supplied their hands for that shot. Uh, mm. Yeah, next door, a young Jimi Hendrix is buying a secondhand guitar. <laughs> like, um, yeah, <laughs> a young Lee Harvey Oswald's playing uh, like a six shooter or something. Still a little, like, early. A little <laughs> rifle. I don't know. Nick, I think your chronology's a little off. <laughs> hmm. What would it? What would have been actually like chronologically or like specifically the time period? Nineteen eighty-seven. So something for ninety-one. David Koresh. Was <laughs> David Koresh is buying uh, a guide on uh, a Jesus rope. Jesus rope. Yeah. Kurt Cobain is buying. Uh, a guitar and oh, a heroin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to go dark there. Uh, so yeah, then the following day at school, Yick is has the vase and he pretends that it's a family Arthur, heirloom to Arthur and that it's very valuable. And Arthur and uh, asks if he should get it appraised. Like, <laughs> no, no. Of course, Arthur would <laughs> ask him to get it appraised. Yeah, Dick decl- decl- Yick declines. He's like. Dick declines. Yick declines, and he's like, uh, "No, that's okay, because it'll blow the whole deal." Because it'll. And then he for just shoves it into a duffel bag. This, is this <laughs> priceless family heirloom. A, a duffel bag that he leaves precariously, uh, just kind of half suspended yeah. off the desk. He does have it wrapped in newspaper. If you You're look right, closely. which I mean, obviously proves to be ineffective. But um, yeah, I, I have to say, like uh, this, the whole B plot. <laughs> It's kind of a snooze, really. I mean, basically, the stakes are Yick doesn't want Arthur to know it's not a priceless heirloom. But if you think about it, what would have happened if uh, Arthur had found that out earlier? Like, what are what did he think would happen if Arthur found out he was lying about a vase? Would yeah. Arthur have really cared? I guess he kind of cares what Arthur thinks, but really, he should be honest. He's supposed yeah. to be, want to be honest about his family and give the rousing speech that he does. But it's, yeah, it's a little muddied by this very yeah. weird situation with the vase. Yeah. I guess being honest with your friend. What's, what was the quote that 
You know what? Let's we'll Arthur's get we'll get to that quote in like two that, okay. scenes here. It's cool. coming out. Okay, cool. Oh, you know, I was gonna say this scene ends with, with the announcement. This is where it is where the the okay. principal says, "Anyone who had the tuna surprise at lunch, see the nurse." <laughs> <laughs> Direct payoff. That's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. The next scene after that announcement is it's kind of actually happening over Caitlin and Rick kind of meeting up when Caitlin asks Rick to help with making a school announcement and wants him to come over. Mm. Hot stuff, hot date. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even though she's not interested in hand quotation marks. (laughs) And then it's the school scene where uh, Arthur has to change the sign and Yick goes to change a book. And that's where you saw the, the quote from the sign. Yeah, yeah. Well, what did it say again? It was just something about honesty. Honesty is, is the, the best policy, I think. Yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah. honesty is the best policy. And he's trying to take it down, which I think is kind of symbolic for the situation at hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it, there's yeah. an irony to it, I think. There's a very uh, leaden, like, like heavy, heavy Super irony. Super obvious. Super obvious. He never gets it down, either. You're right. He never does. Uh, it's like sort of like that's his uh, his conscience yeah. that he can't. It's like the telltale heart. He totally like uh, he totally could have gotten up on that chair too. He like was trying like oh yeah. I was gonna use this chair. No, I can't use it. It rolls a little bit. So he used it. <laughs> <laughs> and then tries to move the desk and knocks over the d- precarious duffel and bag. One of the, the smaller base. student desks would have been so yeah. much easier to bring over. Arthur's kind of a pussy though, guys. There's no real way. To- <laughs> <laughs> he is he is uh, decidedly cowardly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's the definition of masculinity. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> That's true. So he knocks it over, and when Yit comes back to the classroom, it's there's just a note that Arthur took it to have it appraised, and Yik's like, like, yeah, like he just couldn't wait <laughs> to find out how much the thing's worth. This kid's watching like way too much Antiques Roadshow, <laughs> just eating him up inside. <laughs> it's like I gotta get out of the school right now and get this appraised for you. Yeah. Just gotta wait till his back's turned for one second. <laughs> He's getting appraised. Yeah, I get the feeling that this particular B plot, someone had pitched it, probably several episodes before, and everyone was like, "That is so boring." An entire plot centered around an ant- a supposedly antique vase, and finally they were just at, uh, you know, at odds one, one week, and they were like, "Well, we've got to pad this out." <laughs> well, it's another. Oh, here it's a double smokescreen. It's, it's another smoke. Well, it's an episode are, about yeah. smoke screens. Everyone's lying to each other. Right. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's the smoke screen to that B plot. Is that they're both putting up smoke screens? The vase is a smoke screen. Yeah. The truth. I think you're reading too much into it, Nick. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's anything going on there. I think we cracked it. <laughs> yeah. Case closed. I don't know. It just seems like a real stretch. I think Podcast we broke the over. <laughs> this over. Let's leave. I feel like we broke the story harder than they did in the writer room, right there. Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. I feel like Jake. Gyllenhaal and Zodiac. <laughs> yeah? David Fincher's Zodiac, yeah. I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler most of the time. What Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> movie? Cider House Rules? Is that a... No, uh, no I don't think that's a Oh, I always get all those fresh-faced young actors missed up. I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal in Donnie Darko before he can time travel. Nice. <laughs> I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal in Bubble Boy because I'm always trapped in a bubble. Oh, he was in that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal... In Jarhead. Uh, I feel right. like Jake Jill- Oh, Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> that is a big one that we somehow missed. Yeah. Sitting pretty close to Darren, and uh, <laughs> one thing leads to another. Who knows? He's the Heath. He's the Heath. Yeah. That, that's a compliment. I like being the Heath. <laughs> you just have similar eyes. You have very Heath eyes, Darren. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Never have heard that. I've never heard that before. And it 
syncs up with your prescription drug addiction. That that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention before uh, before Yake gets back to see the message written on the chalkboard, he's going up the stairwell dribbling the basketball. Yeah, he does in a pretty <laughs> commentating. Yeah, clearly choreographed. Uh, sort of yeah, Harlem Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yick can. It has been established in the series that Yick can ball. He can ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yick actually turns out to be uh, Yao Ming. He's the Drake of Degrassi Junior High. <laughs> right. Yeah. He grew into a seven foot five monster. <laughs> <laughs> he dominates in the paint. Uh, the fall is in the streets. Actually, uh, Caitlin. And Rick are on their way to Caitlin's house, and they're seeing the factory just, like, polluting. And she's kind of explaining to him, and he's just like, oh, in the summer, it gets so hot in my house, and I can't open the window because of all, it smells so bad. She's like, yeah, that's it. That's pollution. She's like, you get it, Rick. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, uh, why don't you buy an air filter? And she's like, we can't afford air filters. We're not rich like you. <laughs> You think my dad? So sorry. You think my dad could afford well, an an air purifier? Yeah, that's what he says. It's like, well, I don't. She doesn't know your dad, so um, I guess she can't really answer that. <laughs> She's like, yeah, with all his drug money. <laughs> when they get to Caitlin's house too, he, Rick sees it. And he's like, whoa, your parents are rich. He's got like a kitchen and uh, a stereo, I guess. Oh yeah, there's um, a funny line. Uh, she's like, yeah, my parents are teachers. And, he, and he's like, your parents are teachers? Yeah, the sheer vehemence of that line. <laughs> I'm behind enemy lines. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you shouldn't have told me this before I got here, right? Oh, I got teacher germs all over me. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And then they start to talk about the announcement. And, and Rick's like, no, you see... Everybody sounds like teachers when they make announcements. You got to do something different and get some ideas. <laughs> and I love, I love that shot of the stereo, uh, which really tele- like telegraphs what he wants to do. But I think it would have been great if the next scene was him carrying a stereo, an entire stereo around the school, making stereo puns and telling people not to pollute. Well, yeah. I liked when when Rick had this idea too when we were watching the episode. Nick, you said something as soon as he had it. You were like, "Oh yeah, he, he's like a young Rick Rubin." Oh, you were gonna say too. He used his uh, his street smarts. I oh yeah, the street like- <laughs> smarts. That's that's something. It, like he 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 approaches situations uh, from like different perspectives than than the rest of the uh, the nerdy committee. Yeah, because they don't know what it's. All they know is boardrooms and and talking and. And red tape. Yeah, Rick hung out with <laughs> William S. Burroughs. Yeah. Like that's that's who that's that was his teacher. Like he hung out with Burroughs and Ginsburg and Kerouac. Yeah, his teachers. You know, Rick's putting the action in the environmental action Absolutely. committee. Yeah. Also the high in Degrassi Junior High. Yeah. He oh. uh, he's got like calloused fists <laughs> yeah. punching lockers. That's something that they don't teach you. He is kind of like an Irish boxer from the 30s. Yeah. <laughs> Bare knuckle boxing, yeah, for Yeah, sure. absolutely. So what's going on in the boiler room when no one's around? He's like Victor McClaglin in The Informer. Where it's like, uh, ah, you want to take me on, boy? Oh, butter your beans. <laughs> Rick, I imagine Rick walking around the school that whole day with the boom box they bring into yeah, the office. for right. sure. He's like, oh, well, this is a day thing. We've got these batteries. We've got to put them to use. It'd be great if he stole the boom box. That could have been a C plot. <laughs> Where's the boombox? Emphasis on C and the school criminal. Like C level, man. When they walk in to make that announcement too, 
like they just are like, oh hey Doris, we were here to make an announcement. She's like, oh yeah, sure, anyone can make. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's just a kid farting into the microphone on the the other side of the room. <laughs> I guess because it was Caitlin. Like if, if Rick had gone in there alone, maybe Doris. No, would she was she was turned away. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, no, sure. And then she saw what was going on, and she gasped. That's oh, right. Oh yeah, because Rick turns on the boombox, and it's uh. Just blaring a MIDI beat, and, and like, she literally reacts like uh, like some like society dame in an old Marx Brothers movie, where it's like, <gasps> I never. Oh, well, I. She has like, like a white glove. <laughs> That's right. Her monocle shatters to the floor. <laughs> These ruffians. Oh, and the beat kicks in. Then Caitlin starts doing like a rap, and it's like it's bad, but it's also awesome. Like it's better than most raps well, you hear. It would be cutting edge at the time. This '87 rap. Mm-hmm. Hip hop music was in its infancy. You know? Well, like usually when white people at that time would do a rap, it would be like, "My name's whatever," and I'm here, here to, to say, say that yeah. I'm rappy, rappy, rapping in a rappy like that kind of rap. But like she yeah. was like kind of like, "Hey guys, you know," and she looks kind of doing like she was an actual rap. Yeah, she was more or less on beat, except for one particular line that yeah. really stood out for me, where she wandered off. But yeah, an interesting thing about that beat: that beat was actually uh, composed by Timbaland. Yeah, <laughs> people don't know that. Well, like I like the reaction of all the students around the school. Like they're all just like everyone's nodding. Like yeah, oh, this man. is all right. This is good. Joey Jeremiah has a particularly just, sweet uh, dance yeah. uh, dance move. I think it's the only Joey appearance really in this episode. Yeah, too, that dance yeah. move. Yeah, making his presence known. <laughs> but like I know if that actually happened in a real school, everyone would be like, "What a loser! Yeah, <laughs> Who is this? Absolutely. Yeah. Like everyone would just go and start throwing garbage on the ground. Uh, just." <laughs> In rebellion against this rap song, you know. Instead, it has this like weird Pied Piper of Hamlin. Yeah, effect. everyone's like, oh yeah. Like, well, I mean, anything that funky has got to be true. Well, like the hook of her rap too is "Stop the Stink," and then Stop like the that's stink. on all the signage that they're putting up around the school, mm. and like hooking people to like sign up, get their signatures for that factory petition. I don't know. Uh, I noticed that the first person to sign the petition was a black guy. I didn't know if you picked up on that. I didn't. So you think they were like, oh, first guy is going to sign. Yeah, the, clearly the rap music be has got him. The urban. It's probably that, that guy's Tim, probably. I don't remember. I didn't see it, but I'm going to guess because he's like the only black guy in this season. Yeah, it's not a very diverse show. Well, it. I mean, they kind, kind of, of yeah. Like a, a diverse. Oh yeah, I guess so. Not so much in this episode, but um, no, there, there's some diverse. I'm I'm not disagree. It's a pretty whitewashed show, but. There is a few. <laughs> there is some characters of ethnicity, like yeah. certainly a lot more than, than than average. I would say for most, a lot shows. more than shows of the time. Yeah, absolutely. I would say it's definitely more, definitely more diverse. And they would like address it, like Saved by the Bell. Lisa was black. I don't know. There wasn't too many like black storylines. Like very oh, little Susie race. Yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, Susie. There you go. She's black. Lucy's black. More black girls. I don't know. So there's some diversity. Give it, give it up to them in 1987. Yeah, you know, like wasn't oh, that's even good. That's the really a thing. Canada's a social melting pot, so they just had yeah. to make their their premier Canadian show involve all ethnicities. All right, and so that sweet jam is getting everybody joining the school petition. And the next day, when Yick sees Arthur for the first time, he's just like, "Hey, Arthur, where's my vase?" And then Arthur like runs away from him into the washroom. Yeah, and hides in a stall. Very weird conversation. It's like, I'm pooping. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of. Uh, Covert bathroom uh, conversation, and I think this is the scene uh, that uh, uh, what's his name from the other bathroom scene, Shane. Uh, Shane is also in, uh, acting as if the notion of someone talking to someone behind a stall 
is the most confounding thing he's ever seen. <laughs> like he's in the stall, but you're not in the stall. Why would you be talking? No, I think he was like, "Who's he talking to? Is there a ghost? There's no one here, man." I might be giving him too much credit. He might have literally thought there was a ghost and there's a ghost. Yeah, he's talking to the wall. Shane is that? There's a ghost condom on Spike. Don't worry. Again, hanging on the. I don't even think we see him outside the bathroom the entire episode. No, Not this episode. No. Scenes, yeah. Shane turns out he has uh, Chrome's disease. <laughs> Uh, so Yik just basically like, all right, fine, Arthur, whatever's going on. Just make sure I have it back by Friday when you're done doing whatever. And Arthur's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get a certificate of authenticity for you. Still only going to blow the deal for Yik. It's not real. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I have run out of things to say about that plot, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that plot. I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, It. Uh, I hope things work out. <laughs> well, lucky for us, only a little bit more to do. Okay. Uh, the next scene is the Degrassi Junior High Environmental Action Committee meeting. Right. I don't know why I keep saying it. Like, Kathleen wants to talk about the ma- the name, but Caitlin says, what about the petition? We had 200 signatures this week. And Kathleen says, whatever. The factory isn't going to care about your petition. And then Rick stepped in with a huge diss. Another good Degrassi original. Do you guys remember that one? Brain box. That's right. Yeah, brain <laughs> Fascinating. Box. Is it? Is it because she is literally just a brain without uh, any sort of other human characteristics? Like she's just a an she's just a vessel intellect? for a brain. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't seem like an insult, but um, I don't know. And it's just super tense in the room too at this moment. Like <laughs> pretty much in like a standoff after that. He's like, "How would you know you brain yeah. bogs?" They just stare down. Have you ever noticed that Rick never sits in a chair? He's always on some sort of ledge. <laughs> That's right. He's yeah. always perched somewhere. Even in <laughs> class. Shut up, brain. And then he jumps down and walks away. I'm out of here. <laughs> Yo, I think we talked about it being uh, when we were watching it being like a house of cards intensity yeah, of the it situation. Was. <laughs> and I really like because it's not resolved at all. But like a few scenes later, I think they are going. Is it the next scene? No, it's a few scenes later. They're they're not actually. Sorry, yeah, it's way later that they go to the actual factory because yeah. the next scene is just Arthur at night working on fixing the, the classic the vase glue the, the vase together scene. <laughs> yeah, uh, in a really darkened bedroom for some reason. I don't know how that would help him put to, like put together a broken vase. Uh, well, he clearly has to hide this misdeed from his parents. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't want them to. Because he thinks it's on? valuable or something. Oh, yeah. Arthur's just uh, sitting in a darkened bedroom at 8 o'clock. No big deal. <laughs> That's our Artie. That's our Artie. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, at the same time, Caitlin and Susie, they're hanging out, and they're drinking milk. And you mentioned yeah. that, <laughs> Nick, you had a good comment for that. Uh, it's just like they're always drinking milk. It's like, it's you know, because they're junior high students, and they can't, they couldn't have a glass of wine. So it's like, hey, who wants to, can I refill your milk? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that movie Bugsy Malone from the 70s where it was like kids playing gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> and Rick would have been right at home in Bugsy Malone, like playing <laughs> Al Capone or something. And I also love this because I've never seen this in real life. Just having milk in a big glass jar with no lid on it. Right. Oh, it would yeah. just absorb, it would taste awful. <laughs> right, yeah. Wait, is, okay, so I grew up in Ontario and we would have like a bag of milk that we you put in a thing. You had well. bags of milk yeah, out east? Darren, we had cartons. You did cartons yeah. of milk there. There was no bags. really uh, no bag not, culture. Not really to speak of. Uh, not in my small town, anyway. But yeah, we mm. just said my parents actually ran and still run a grocery store there, and uh, yeah, we just had cartons. That was and What's I think the store called D and A Foods. Uh, David and Artith. Oh, your mom's yeah. name is Artith. D and A. It is Artith. Yeah, wow. D and A. 
D- DNA variety. Yeah, uh, DNA. <laughs> they really should have gone with just DNA. Oh, okay. Here's a little. There's a store called Degrassi Convenience. Yeah, I've seen that. Does yeah. that exist in real life? I think it does actually. Yeah, but I've heard like the actual Degrassi is not where they shot the the school. They're not over the shot the, the, the show. The school is in Etobicoke. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. the school that they shot at was in Etobicoke. Right. But Degrassi is somewhere in the Leslie East End, Bell, right? Yeah. yeah, Leslieville. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in that scene where they're drinking the milk, too, uh, Susie is trying to get Caitlin to say that she likes him and stop treating him like he's yeah, an experiment. Yeah, like, <laughs> very adult. It's a very adult situation, I think. <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. It's like they 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 uh, they could have opted out for, like, on the bed, like, with their stomach down and their, their legs kicking up <laughs> while gossiping about cute boys, which is pretty standard for... But they went with a very adult, <laughs> you know, would you like some more milk? <laughs> she puts the milk away. I don't know. It just, yeah. Uh, then, so then it f- jumps to the next scene where Caitlin and Susie have met up with Rick and they're on their way to the factory. And Rick kind of like just goes to like blindly cross the street and Caitlin just like holds him back. And like just about to walk into oncoming traffic. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you noticed that on the shot. And Caitlin's getting scared. She's just like oh, uh, I don't know if we should go in. Can't we just mail it in? And Rick's like, what are you talking about? No, we got to go, <laughs> right? Because Rick doesn't, he doesn't overthink any situations. He goes with his gut. Yeah. Again, the street smarts is like, it's what they're they're missing. He's all about action. Yeah. Too much action. Exactly. Yeah, think- He's not a brain box, all right? <laughs> his, his brain is inside uh, the body of an Irish he's pugilist. More, yeah, he's more of a fist box. He's, he's more like a, a box, box full right. of fists. <laughs> yeah. He's a fist box for sure. And the world's a locker, and he's ready to punch the shit out of it. It's all about action, punching or, people, or you know? Or depending if he's on the street, the world's a can, and he's going to kick it really hard. We were saying it would have been, oh, maybe... I think this happens in this scene where he like he storms off at that point, right? Well, he kind of just walks. They're Back like a little factory, reluctant, yeah. and like they stay behind as he walks off, and he's just like, "Come on!" and they come after him, <laughs> and then they're in the office, and it kind of looks like they've been waiting a bit, right? Yeah. I think anyway. That's seems a, to be yeah. Little 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 drip of we've been waiting a bit on them. I think and they. Yeah. So when the guy comes out, he's like, "I guess I guess he says sort of sorry to keep you waiting, felt like he kept them waiting on perfect on on <laughs> on purpose." And they just kind of say that they're students from Degrassi Junior High, and we want you to stop polluting. Yeah, yeah and the actor, <laughs> the actor who plays the sort of corporate stooge, mm-hmm. has such a, a strange quality about him. It's like I was thinking, it's kind of like a cross between like a droopy dog and like a Lorne Michaels. Yeah, where it's like a really, <laughs> he he it has a sort of robotic, uh, generic businessman approach and it just made me think like i always think of like people who play bit parts or one-off parts on degrassi like the the one woman in the one episode like at who catches lucy and uh, bula shoplifting mm-hmm. and it's like i always think what what was their career like up to that point did they study second city the, this could have been do anything afterwards like uh, are they from toronto like, that what? guy could have actually just been a businessman yeah <laughs> yeah they're like we need a businessman i'm sure there's a lot of just people who took theater in school, mm-hmm. like, or yeah. maybe in high school. And, you know, you you do one episode of Grassy, but it's not, you don't have an IMDb page, right? I do. I remember my not, vice principal in my school, that's why he, like, moonlighted as an actor. And I'm like, yeah. he wasn't in Grassy, but that's the kind of thing he would have yeah. done because it was a bit later. Yeah. But he has such a, um, it's almost like 
something you'd see in the room where it's like instead of studying what an actual businessman might be like you're relying on some weird conceived notion or it's so it's, it's he has that weird sort of stiff uh compartment yeah, they're like it's not a very high budget show so they're probably right. like okay this this guy's a professional <laughs> Just, just get out there and be a business. Well, just be condescending. He, sound, he sounded very much like someone you would expect to sound that way. Like I didn't yeah. see, think like he was like. A he was giving them the classic um, PR spin doctor treatment. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, he's just like, oh, the newspaper. They just like their stories. Yeah, they like <laughs> stories in the newspaper. But I like it's the, like, oh yeah, no journalistic <laughs> integrity involved in that. I like that the dismissive, uh, yet uh, still moderately friendly. Uh, I don't think so, but uh, thanks for coming in. No, he steals it from them. That's right. Just takes it from Rick's them. like, fuck, fuck we're, this. We're waiting. We're sitting. And then he's like, uh, no. And he just t- rips it out of her hand and leaves. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. That was pretty, that was pretty weak. I'm sauce. guessing he's throwing it in whatever furnace or generator is creating all the smoke coming in the stacks. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. believe that Susie and Caitlin were so like, oh, how come you were so rude? He was nice oh, to no, us. Yeah. Was like, what? He that was, was some like, astonishing naivete on their part. Because <laughs> Rick's the only one who can see through his smoke screen. Right. <laughs> it was so condescending. So condescending. And there's a fi- there's a literal smoke screen of pollution surrounding them too. It's a it's a great moment. I think. Yeah, it does make me kind of despair for the future of the action committee if they're unable to read someone so creepy uh, for what they really are, as opposed to but. Friendly. They're out of their environment. They only know <laughs> the committee room and they, you know, the meetings. Rick lives in the streets. <laughs> That's, what, <laughs> That's right. He can't take he's, it. He's, this is not the, the first time he's he's done this sort of thing. No, he's got to deal with the man right. for sure. But he's he just like gets so pissed off he storms off. And then when he's walking, he like kicks a can that's in the street. Yeah, that's right. And we were saying like uh, it would have been great if there had been a locker in the street. He just for like no reason. punches the he locker. Just, punched, yeah. <laughs> just something for him to take out his rage on his Rick rage. <laughs> so then it's the next day at school. Oh no, no, sorry. Actually, before the next day at school, Rick's on his way home and he's so pissed off. He just needs a smoke to calm down. And Kathleen walks out of the out of the. Degrassi variety store there and sees him lighting up. Yeah, I also noticed that this is the next scene from The Office and um, all the products that were at, like on that display case in the factory were in the window of the Degrassi convenience store, which I thought was a uh, pretty. Uh, you know, they thought it. They thought uh, they thought it out. It was very. It was a very Springsteen moment where you yeah. just get the sense of how powerful the factory is. Right. Man. That's what I thought. Like the, this runs deeper. Yeah, it was than his, the action committee really anticipated. It was his all the president's men movement, or his all the president's men moment. Really, uh, it's like, uh, yeah, he's like a cross between Woodward and Bernstein, and like. Uh, uh, Oh, who's a, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin. And, <laughs> um, but like, who's a who's a good like thug character? I'm trying to. Oh, I don't know. Uh, he's like, he's like a Woodward and Bernstein crossed with like Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> I'm maybe I may be giving Rick too much credit there, but. Well, maybe I, I don't know. Kathleen's a little Macho Man Randy Savage for me. I guess. <laughs> maybe, yeah. yeah. So after she sees him uh, smoking, she sits on that information until the next day. Oh yeah, because she's she's conniving. She is. Yeah. She's, so she, right next day at the Degrassi Junior High Environmental Action Committee meeting, skipping over her most important detail, first order of business, the name change. No, 
she's got to bring up the fact that Rick was smoking, and they can't have a polluter on their committee. Mm. Kathleen's a very Frank Underwood House of Cards type. Yeah. I think. I can see her engineering a murder to make it look like a suicide. <laughs> uh, and in fact, she does in the last season. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, she does have that very Machiavellian uh, aspect to her to her character that I find oh, compelling yeah, she, and well, loathsome. She, she gathers she, the information, lays in the grass, and waits, and then pounces on him with and, it. And especially because like Rick has done more for the Environmental Action Committee than mm-hmm. any of the members. They that that was their first major accomplishment, as far as we know. Yeah, and I'm gonna go out on a limb and say willing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's just willing to sell him out because she's. Clearly has some sort of prejudice against, uh, you know, the lower class. Uh, abs- well, yeah, she's absolutely. an elitist for sure. She's very, very much an elitist. Yeah, I, spe- I like when when Rick uh, when they all or when they agree that he should be kicked out for smoking. He's just <laughs> he's awesome. He's like action committee. All you guys do is talk. He totally like levels into them and storms <laughs> out. And when he stormed out, this was the locker hits to end all. Lo- How what we counted at those locker Three hits? Three hits. Three. It was a triple play. Yeah. Wow. He nailed those lockers. He really did. Yeah. But also the thing about Lucy is maybe she's afraid of Rick because you mean Kathleen, it, right? Or yeah, Kathleen, the, the bitch. Yes. Yeah. She uh, because maybe maybe his sort of situation hits a little too close to home as we find out later in the series right where she has yeah her her mom is an alcoholic right yeah oh yeah i think so there's and her mom's violent too yeah so like yeah she's already like she's not so that's probably to that. some foreshadowing to later events yeah in the series. absolutely kathleen has a very healthy sort of self like self-loathing that you can already, yeah. already sense yeah and when rick storms out kathleen just has to get a dig in she's like told you so yeah, she just lets them all know. I knew he was no good. And this, summarizing, and this perfectly, su- like I think, perfectly encapsulates how good Kathleen is at finding someone's weak spot. She specifically says, "Not everyone can be perfect." Uh, oh, so she's playing oh, on Caitlin's Caitlin yeah. sense of herself as, um, you know, I guess as others view her as something of a, a sort of a Miss Perfect princess. How did she get to be president? Because Kathleen. Did she just take it with an iron fist? <laughs> I think like, so, yeah. <laughs> like, I can't imagine was there anyone was voted for her. <laughs> like, she used fear and t- intimidation to get to her, her place. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, she's very much uh, kind of an idiomine figure. Uh, I think I look, I would love to see Forrest Whitaker's take on Kathleen in a Degrassi movie. I think that this one episode could be an entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. With oh, the what they could do with the whole Vaz <laughs> smoke screen. The Vaz was like the rosebud in Citizen Kane. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. When the meeting adjourns and they're walking, the whole the whole committee is walking out. Uh, Rick's just like waiting around a corner, and when he sees Caitlin, he's just like, "Oh, those do-gooders!" <laughs> like that was his <laughs> do-gooders. <laughs> to do-gooders, doing huh? Good. I thought he called them goobers. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of do-goobers. <laughs> Do-go. You're doing goobers. I want. I want in. Give me a hit. <laughs> uh, Caitlin's super mad at Rick. Like she's like, I stood up for you, and you let me down after I tried to help you. And then what's when Rick's like, what? What am I a project? Right? Like, <laughs> like uh, I did everything. I helped you. I made the announcement. I took you to the factory. I made you go in, which mm-hmm. is right. Rick is using yeah. the street smarts. He's the man of the people. But he says he doesn't need anyone's help, and he clearly needs help. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. He has the one line where he's like, um, "Just because, just because I'm I'm poor and not doing well in school doesn't make me a charity case." And it's just like, because I sleep in a pile of old newspapers, <laughs> just because I'm constantly on fire doesn't mean 
It's like, well, I mean, yeah, everyone needs help, Rick. Like, I mean. Rick, you have no shoes on. <laughs> it's winter. Yeah. No, you you are the definition of a charity case, right? Uh, the next scene is, uh, sorry, keeping up with you guys. You know, we're going back to Yick and Arthur's vase story. I, I really, yeah. I, I, Darren's not a fan of the B plot, but I actually quite enjoyed it. <laughs> you like the vase? Yeah, I like the whole, whole thing. Because, first of all, Yick and Arthur are very just innocent characters, and I kind of enjoy them. True. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, they might get picked on, but they don't, it's just, they don't have a painfully dramatic life like some of the other characters in Degrassi. I suppose they are kind of a nice, um, a, a nice compliment or a nice contrast. Yeah, to, and they're, they're just, they're they a, like each other, and then, they, you know, hmm. they're friends. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's pretty much it when Arthur shows up with the broken vase, finally, for Yick. You know how... He's pissed, but... They both show so much remorse for mm-hmm. lying to each other. They do. They were, like, they've come to a head here, and and Yick's just more mad because now he doesn't know what to talk about in his assignment, and Arthur is just like, just talk about your your yeah. voyage here. <laughs> no, this is the best line, and I wrote this down because I love it. Uh, when he says, who cares about boat people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a really racist expression. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think... Uh, yeah, he, also, he said, who cares about refugees uh, earlier in the episode? It's like... Yeah. yeah. I think it's I interesting. Think you do, Yick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you bring it up. <laughs> but I wonder if, like, Yick's sort of internalized some sort of self-loathing in the same way Kathleen has. Uh, so oh. it's there. There may be. Uh, they're both smoke screens for their real feelings. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're sort of like uh, mirror images in the sense that yeah they both have an you know internalized self loathing that they put on to other people. And then Yick has to you know give this speech off the cuff about his experience. Freaking nails it. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah. It's really knocks out of the park. It's genuinely powerful and direct <laughs> and poignant. Uh, I just yeah especially the line where he says. We made it safe, which wasn't true for everybody. And it's like there's there it's it's not generic, like Susie's fucking piece of shit. <laughs> I'm not actually I don't actually dislike Susie's presentation, by the way. But it was just a like lot of gloat it was gloating. Yeah. It yeah, wasn't little, little bloody, it was like yeah. 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 But yeah, it's cause like Arth or Yick went through it. Yeah. Yick has went like more through more in his few years in, on this earth than than all of us combined. Yeah, he's had a, he's struggled. Oh yeah, the line in his speech where he says they, they take all the pretty girls from the boat and yeah, the that's pirates. So dark. That that's was so very dark. Yeah, and not and, and by the way, people died on this ship because he said not everybody made it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just like I, we all, all we had was our, all we made it through with was our clothes. That's why I don't have anything to show. That yeah. Dark. I guess it would have been more powerful he'd, if he'd literally been naked, but I guess, <laughs> you know, I don't know if Miss Avery well, What was going on in the in, in China in the, the late 70s? Was that still the cultural revolution? The late 80s? Like, no, um, early 80s. That's when he would have when he would have been. Yeah, 1987, so. I guess we're saying. So the, I think that's around the Tiananmen Square thing. That would have come actually after uh, after the episode, two years after the oh, episode. Oh, okay, yeah. that was 89. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not, I, yeah, I'm not, I don't quite have my, um, yeah, Chinese history down. I think uh, it was around the time that China, um, I'm trying to think of a fantastic lie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was around the time that uh, China was uh, ravaged by uh, just like a, a giant uh, bird. Jamaican. Yeah. Giant, giant, okay, giant Jamaican. <laughs> giant Jamaican. That's a good lie. 
Yeah, yeah. anyway, great speed. Great, great report. Great report. Yik. And that's the end of the class. I think Miss Savory gives a, a patented handsy pat to Yik, and everyone's like, gives him accolades. I actually thought that it ended kind of abruptly. Like, she, like, if I had been her, I'd been like, wow. Wow. <laughs> like, there was, they were kind of like, that's it. Like, all right. Like, they don't, they're not, they don't, like, acknowledge, like, every, it's just kind of, like, known that it was awesome. Like, everyone's pat, but she just kind of shuts it down. There's no question period. And then the remarkable thing about both reports is that they both wrap up uh, about 30 seconds before the buzzer, uh, which I think, <laughs> I don't know if Miss Avery was a stickler for that, <laughs> uh, just to leave literally no <laughs> time for talking about it. I, th- I feel like- that Yick talked for like 45 minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot we missed. Yick was wearing hats and like <laughs> large, like long robes at one point. He's got like a boat on and he's rowing <laughs> and it's like kind of strapped to his shoulders. He got like Arthur and someone else to like, uh, you know, uh, hold up like uh, uh, repli- replications of waves. And, like, yeah. <laughs> one point he hands out traditional Chinese dumplings that he crafted and brought in a fr- uh, hot plate to, to <laughs> for a quick snack during the intermission. It's like, well, this has nothing to do with your report, Yik, but uh, they're delicious. <laughs> yeah, Yik, uh, well, he has a one-man show in this year's uh, Toronto Film fe- uh, Fringe Fest. That's right. <laughs> yeah, He's doing a fringe, a couple fringe festivals with this thing, too. Yeah. Putting mm-hmm. it out, getting it out there. The following scene is in the uh, the hallway. Kathleen is with Caitlin, and they're just kind of watching Rick go. And Kathleen's like, oh, well, you weren't right about him. And then she says, oh, I've got a new name, the Degrassi Junior High Anti-Pollution Pro-Environment oh. Committee. What do you think? What a disaster. And Caitlin's like, I think you're a jerk. <laughs> she yells <laughs> at her. And Kathleen, uh, very, this is very uncharacteristic, has nothing to say to that. Oh. Shut her down. Yeah, shut her down. Well, she's not time. used to people standing up to her. Like Probably, maybe yeah. people like ri- low lifes that she can put <laughs> in her in their place. But right, Caitlin, it's a little that's less common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, well, then then it, it briefly, Caitlin runs off after Rick, and there's a scene with Arthur and Yick where everyone's congratulating him, and then Arthur comes over and offers to pay back for the vase. He's like, "I'll <laughs> give you my allowance every week, right, <laughs> for and years." Then, and, and then, then my salary. <laughs> 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 salary for, for from what? Like, as long as it takes. <laughs> if, if this vase really was so val- valuable that it's literally going to take Arthur a lifetime to pay off, why didn't the family sell it? Yeah. And then they don't have to live in a giant house full of strange relatives. That is a good point. It's a very good point. <laughs> I, I like the idea that I think Nick brought up that it was like... It was a big decision and... On, on Yik's half to like not accept this deal for money for life for a five dollar vase he could have literally have put Arthur in a position of indentured servitude for years yeah. for years yeah. yeah better better the best part of his lives would be dedicated he would have garnished to his entire income his entire salary I think Arthur offered Arthur half of Arthur's salary as a professional hitman which I think is probably for us. also yeah I also I liked um. How, uh, I mean, if it was so valuable, why did he bring it to school three days before the presentation? <laughs> yeah. Just to show Arthur so he can bring it home again and then <laughs> bring it back to school? Yeah, he really set himself up for trouble by having it there that early. <laughs> and he never, yeah. and he could have also took it to his uncle 
who would have debunked the whole <laughs> thing anyways. You know what yeah. I mean? He has still has no idea how much this is worth. He just assumes it's going to take the rest of his lifetime to yeah. pay Yik back. But Yik comes clean and says to him, uh, oh, I just bought it for like $5. It's nothing. And that's when Arthur says, you broomhead. And that was the, it's been a and, few episodes. And also, nothing is learned from this huge web of lies. In, in fact, it works out to uh, Yik's advantage in the end mm-hmm. because – because of his lie, he ends up telling the truth, mm-hmm. and then they're both friends, and everything's okay. <laughs> Two wrongs make a right. Yeah. <laughs> if, like, Arthur hadn't stolen the vase and broke it, Yick would have lied and f- and and sacrificed some of his own personal integrity. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> So, yeah, that plot kind of falls apart on itself. Yeah, it's, it's a really <laughs> bad message. But they're good friends, I guess. That's yeah, the no, they're, and they're fine at the end because they're like, you, oh, we both, we're both filthy liars. <laughs> <laughs> good smoke screen, my friend. Good smoke. And then at the bike rack, Rick is there working on his hot bike, and Caitlin comes over and apologizes, especially about you being dumb and needing help. The Caitlin, fact, yeah. Yeah, the factory did ignore us. I wish there was something we could do. And then good old Rick, using his street smarts again, is like, hey, why don't we contact the paper and said we kind of went there to talk to them, and they just snuffed us off. That sounds like a good story. Not that good of a story. Now I'm repeating it back. (laughs) What is it? Kids go to factory. Yeah. Yeah. Dismissed. (laughs) And dismissed quickly. I was was wondering at the end, like, what what is the next step in that story? Like, so they they go to the paper. uh, Like, if, if you're, say, like a reporter, I don't know where they went, the Globe and Mail, Toronto Star, The Post, whatever. And you're thinking, okay, the story is uh, three kids went to a factory with a petition uh, signed by 200 people, which is not that many at all. And the the president of the company wouldn't speak with them. Um, Is that uh, how uh, irrational is that for the president? That seems like a fairly natural position to take. Like a a petition with 200 names in a city the size of Toronto— yeah, 213 year old kids too. <laughs> yeah, and 13, 200 non-voters. <laughs> but you don't, you, you don't take into account that Rick's gonna be in the room just intimidating the shit <laughs> of those reporters. You're right. That's true. Do you notice that Rick's even his bicycle was shaped like a motorcycle? Like it had like <laughs> a like a like a mock gas tank and a skull on it. <laughs> yeah, it's like such a an early uh, fixed up bike. What are those called? Uh, uh, creeper bikes or no, the ones that you like roll back on. Oh yeah, cruisers. Cruiser bikes. Oh yeah, maybe. Maybe. maybe yeah. Feels wrong. Yeah. Also, can I give well, a shout out to to Caitlin's headband? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a great Mark Knopfler money for nothing headband. I gotta say. I think she was trying to like go for a little more of an edgy look. To <laughs> Absolutely. Her. She's hip. She's smart. But she's hip, yeah. too. Yeah, it kind of looked like the headband that Mark Wahlberg wears in Boogie Nights <laughs> around the time that he starts getting addicted to Coke. Yeah. Like, yep. So I hope this doesn't signal Caitlin's downfall. Not uh, yet. That's on some off-the-books off the episodes or something. Uh, but the whole newspaper plan, Caitlin thinks, is brilliant. She says brilliant and kisses Rick on the cheek after he suggests it. And Rick's, like, got the cool line. <laughs> Who wants to do Rick's last line? <laughs> Uh, maybe we'll try doing it in unison, Nick. Yeah, give me the piece of paper. Refresh my memory. Uh, so I'll be Caitlin, I guess. Okay. Rick, you're brilliant. Shh. 
I have a I have a reputation. That's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much where it ends. So that's the end of the episode that yeah. they and a great free, it's probably the first time we see Rick smiling too in the entire episode. Yeah, I think you're right. I think so. Yeah. Very, very. I mean, he must have been smiling while Caitlin was rapping. I would assume <laughs> seeing that <laughs> would be impossible not to smile at. Um, let me. Okay, let me ask you guys. That was the whole episode of, of this one, which was pretty good. But I want to ask you guys, what was your favorite episodes of Degrassi or Degrassi or whichever Junior High or High? Oh. Um, hmm. One that Gee. always stuck with me was when Snake found the the um, the guy who committed suicide in the mm. bathroom and got post-traumatic that, yeah. stress disorder. Claude, yeah. Thought, yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really powerful episode. The dream sequence with Caitlin uh, where she's like getting the rose from Claude uh, and it's like sort of, sort of hazy, like very hazy, like so much Vaseline on the lens. <laughs> and then... Uh, I think it ends. I forget how the dream sequence ends. I think it ends with him pulling out like a gun or something, and then it's just like, and then Caitlin, they do the standard, jumping out of bed, going ha, huh. mm-hmm. nightmare <laughs> end. Yeah. A lot of dream sequences in this show, actually. <laughs> a lot of yeah, the zits like really it fell apart for them, you know. The zit remedy? Yeah, <laughs> I think they changed. They shortened to the zits at one point. They do. They? They Possibly do. in high yeah. school. Yeah. And um, I think their biggest problem but was like that they wheels, only had one song. That was one of their big problems. What did Wheels do? Did he like kill somebody drunk driving or like in the schools out at the end? Yeah, he killed. Yeah. He was driving drunk with Lucy and killed a baby and paralyzed Lucy. Yeah, That's and right. then yeah. and then Snake gets basically disturbed from life after finding that dead body. And Joey just turns out to be a loser. <laughs> you know. <laughs> 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 Just a just a, a self-absorbed, like smug little prick. Yeah, it's well, it, which is very much in keeping with uh, and and his and his arc. aspirations don't really like pan out to be anything, as you find out in the next generation. Yeah, I guess yeah. he's like a car salesman, right? Yeah, I I think my final I I don't know if the the schools out movie counts uh, as an episode, but I think that might be my favorite uh, episode, just because it's so. Uh, boldly, unrelentingly bleak. That <laughs> I uh, it, it it's really like there's no hope really for anyone at the end. And this is the final, the final <laughs> episode of a beloved <laughs> teen show. It's uh, yeah, it has a very yeah down now. No. Yeah, it's just hmm. like like the best thing is like Caitlin's going to school. Who's the bully that got AIDS? What was, what was uh, that Dwight. Guy's? Dwight? Dwight, yeah, those are some good episodes. Yeah, those those high school ones. Dwayne, are always, Dwayne, Dwayne, thank yeah. you. Yeah, those, and you know what? Dwayne is actually in the junior high. Really, I didn't. Yeah, know that. yeah. I was looking ahead at the season two ones, and he's in one of them. He plays like a bully who bullies Joey, oh. but he's like, I don't know if he's supposed to be in the same grade or what. But I just saw like that clip or what or this the screen cap of him being in it. So. And it's then, funny, and, like, yeah, that far ahead, he was, like, vaguely a character. Huh. And then Degrassi High, he's got that posse of other bullies. Yeah, so in that one, he's definitely supposed to be a year older, I think, in, in the High. Yeah, and then and they've got, like, that sort of, like, uh, Bowery Boys kind of feel where it's, like, they should be, like, flipping switchblades. It's, like, a West Side Story <laughs> yeah. street gang, you know? I like that posse. I forget their name, but they're, like kind of closed-minded too because they weren't able to accept well i guess in the end they did accept him but it took a while took they were a while like, yeah. yeah they weren't on board with him having aids yeah 
Yeah. That show deals with some serious issues. Like, you know, like the AIDS issue in the early 90s. There. Yeah, it does. Well, and, every, yeah. yeah it, well, it took in a lot of big issues at the time and sort of found a easy way for kids to kind of absorb these big concepts. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, relatable. I love the episode where the girl finds two joints. Yeah, that's in Kathleen. The, yeah, Kathleen that's in, right. the, in the, I think, the hand soap dispenser or something, or the right. paper towel dispenser, which is like a ridiculous place to keep your <laughs> drugs, a yeah, place where people would be sticking their hands all day. That's where they were like, the I forget his name, he's um who's Yik's friend, and he was like, they were checking lockers, so he like, decides to put them somewhere they won't find them, but like girls find them there, yeah. Yeah, and they sneak in the girls' bathroom, yeah. which is weird. Yeah. Um, like just leave them at home. And then home. it almost ruins your life. <laughs> yeah, those two joints. Yeah, <laughs> as so often happens in a young person's life, completely destroys like her interpersonal relationships. Yeah, yeah, it's a little reefer madness. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I guess it is. From what I'm remembering, it does seem a little like heavy-handed, like weed's bad or it can make uh, you too. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's that episode or a different one, but I, no, I that's remember... the one that the, they have like a slumber party, and that's where Melanie's like. Your bo- your mom's a drunk, and your boyfriend beat you up. She like that's right. She yeah. lets everyone know. Yeah, and, and is yeah. that the episode where Joey? It might be different though. Mm-hmm. Where Joey is like pretending to sell, like pills. Oh, that's no, no, that's a different one. That's like right. episode. That's episode uh, two of the series, I think. Maybe right. three. The that's the experiment. Yeah. But my favorite part is when he calls one of the. Uh, I don't know if he has like. I think he has oregano, and he's selling it as pot. And he calls uh, one of the strains Degrassi grass. That's right. Yeah. And I like the notion that an entire strain of marijuana <laughs> will be devoted to one high school in Toronto. <laughs> it's unique to that. <laughs> that is a funny idea. <laughs> but I wouldn't put it like now. There's like I swear, like they just put the word Kush on like words, and so when <laughs> they sell weed, like I'm surprised that there's not a Degrassi grass. Yeah, there should be now. now. Yeah, yeah, there should be a Degrassi grass. Yeah. yeah. So if you're if you're a weed grower out there, you should name your next strain Degrassi Grass. Yeah, <laughs> well, apparently, like I heard this from somebody, apparently one of the actors in the new generation, I guess, I don't know who it is, played some bully, but he works in a pawn store, and he's like a big tough guy, and he doesn't try to keep, this is all hearsay, by the way. Okay. <laughs> but he, he doesn't tell anybody that he was on Degrassi. Hmm. But he clearly was? <laughs> Yeah, he was in it. I forget. Mm. I don't know who it is. Does he deny it if anyone asks him? I really shouldn't be putting this out in the ether. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? This, yeah. I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I have names. nothing to back this up. <laughs> this is secondhand information. Okay. Well, I think... Oh, can we, can oh, we all sorry. agree? Uh, I just saw this note here, and I thought this was a hilarious alternative ending for that episode. Freeze frame of just Rick burning the factory down. Yeah. <laughs> that would have yeah. been, been great. <laughs> That would be, <laughs> we all know that's what happens. It's just the end of it, he takes a cigarette, and he's like, oh, look at this dirty polluter, and he flicks it, and it's a gasoline <laughs> trail leading to the factory, which explodes as Rick is walking away slowly, un- unflinched. Oh, yeah, fucking Unflinching. mad cool into the night. Yeah. I think Rick's absolutely a budding anarchist. I think the For sure. the roots are there, you can see. Yeah. Uh, this has been a great episode, guys. Thanks for being here. Uh, Nick, what's your Twitter? Uh, Martinello Jokes. Jokes. Anything else you want to promote? You got any shows coming up? This one comes out on Thursdays or November. Is this international? 
Uh, some U.S. people. Hey, it's my birthday tomorrow. We're all, all going right. to be having some drinks at the Central. Uh, I don't think this will be released. No, Thursday. By tomorrow. So, no. So uh, thanks for everybody that came to my birthday. <laughs> you're all you're all great friends. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Darren, what's your Twitter? My Twitter handle is at Flint Beverage. Uh, it's F-L-I-N-T-B-E-V-E-R-A-G-E. Um, I... I so I adopted that moniker because I was watching a Sopranos episode. I saw that an actor playing FBI agent number two was named Flint Beverage, and I thought that was uh, the best name I'd ever seen. And I took that as my Twitter handle, and uh, Bever- the rest, as they say, is beverage. Beverage. Flint Beverage. Flint Beverage. Like a drink. That was definitely some like Kaiser Soze just looking around the room, <laughs> like uh, some guys uh, like starting a, a fire and an, uh, a glass of orange guys. juice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got it. No, it's great. Again, thanks so much for being on this episode of Back to Degrassi, guys. It was a lot of fun. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. All right. Bye. Da, 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 da. <laughs>